We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, our special Hall of Fame edition. I'm here with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro, who's currently in his parents' basement. I had to I was going to do it to Listen, man, you live in New York City. Your parents' house is a godsend because this basement is probably bigger than my little one-bedroom apartment. So I am taking no flack here. I'm going to go sleep in my childhood bedroom in my giant bed and relax. Giant bed like giants, like New York giants? No, absolutely okay. not. All right, just just checking now. It's actually, been... a Ram, it's actually a Ram-steamed room because my mom won't remodel it until I get married. Oh. You're I'm just feeding the fire here, too? right? You're, you're, you're going to live there and you're married too? 
<laughs> no, that she just won't redo my room. I don't even live here. Does she know that you're going to live there when you're married? I will not live here when I'm married. <laughs> or now. <laughs> all right. So giving him all kinds of issues to start the episode. Um, in case you didn't know, folks, Isaac Bruce is a finalist, one of the final 15. Um, Tory Holt did not make it. He remains a semifinalist. We're going to talk about both of those things. And the reason why Steve and I are doing this show together, because we did last year. We had a big Hall of Fame discussion. It's a year leader. We're going to talk about year later, not leader, later. And we're going to see uh, where our minds are different, where they're the same. There's been, there was a little drama on the Rams account last night provided by yours truly um, over this because I'm pretty passionate about this. If you guys have been on been on the Rams talk radio train for a while now, you know how passionate I am about our Rams players in the Hall of Fame. And um, I think I need to throw some Eddie Matter in today. I just looked at the uh, the the uh, what's it called the Veterans Selection Committee and who they selected. And I'm sitting there going, "Are you serious? Really?" So I'm just going to point that out to you, Steve. What are your initial thoughts before we kind of get into SoundCloud and all those places? What are your initial thoughts here on what we saw yesterday? I, I think it's a big step, man. It, you know, it's. They're both interesting cases for the Hall. I think we both agree that they should be in eventually. But because of how logjam that position is and because the Hall of Fame only lets five guys in every year, it's it's been an uphill climb for them uh, this whole time. And, you know, for them, for for Bruce to continue to get in as a finalist, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, for Hall, it's still, it's still crazy to me that he hasn't been a finalist because he had a really good stretch for – a good seven years of being probably one of the top five receivers in the year. You know, I think you could argue his peak was better than Isaac Bruce's, even though Bruce had the longevity, but yeah, it's Bruce. I think he's getting closer and closer and this could be the year. He's the only receiver on the ballot, which is definitely going to work in his favor, but man, they, they're doing Tory dirty, man. He's got to get on there at some point. That was the discussion I had last night. Um, for those of you don't, who don't know, I usually am the person who runs the Rams Talk Twitter handle. That's why my personal account doesn't get a whole lot of play, because I'm usually over on Rams Talk talking there. And some dude out of nowhere from Pro Football Journal just comes over and starts debating me on this topic. You know, A, I never actually said that I believe both would get in or one should be, you know, that, that they should be in this year. I just believe they're deserving. This person jumps in and talks about, well, Throwing well, first he says you, you you're using stats and you can't use stats, and then he throws me a a uh, he throws me a meme with a chart that has stats, and that's what he uses to make his claim. Well, it's more than just stats; it's more than honors. It's more, it's also about the individual career and what you saw on film as well. And so, to try to make that claim while dismissing the very same points on the other side of your argument. Does it make a whole lot of sense? I don't. I mean, I don't know what you thought of that debate. I know you kind of chuckled at it a little bit, but I mean, are these guys as deserving as the other finalists are there now? Well, I think this year there's a clear, you know, Ed Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed are arguably the best players at their position ever. I think Gonzalez is kind of clearly the best player at his position ever. So I think those guys are pretty clearly in a tier of their own. But after that, I mean, yeah, Isaac Bruce definitely belongs with these guys. Tory Holt would belong in these guys. I mean, you you stack up their accolades, and you know, context does matter. You look at Isaac Bruce's career stats. His best season, arguably 1995, his second year, 
1781 yards, 13 touchdowns. He didn't even make the Pro Bowl because the league was so deep at receivers at the time. You know, uh, Herman Moore, who had a nice four-year stretch, was a starter that year, had similar stats to Isaac Bruce and Lions. But then the other three guys, Jerry Rice, Chris Carter, Michael Irvin, all Hall of Famers. Jerry Rice, obviously the best of all time. So Bruce was competing with Rice for Pro Bowl spots. It was a really – receiver has historically been a really deep position that hasn't gotten the respect it deserves, especially in recent years, especially when Bruce was coming up. I mean, you know, I've been loudly criticizing the Hall of Fame for waiting three years to induct Terrell Owens, who is a, probably a top five receiver of all time. And, you know, you, you don't put him in first ballot, fine, whatever. He was kind of a, a knucklehead to the media. Second ballot wasn't saying that he didn't make the second time. And to be honest, I don't blame that man for not going to the ceremony because he got disrespected. It's a position that gets disrespected a lot. And, you know, sometimes the Pro Bowls just don't come because who you're going against. You look at the NFL Pro Bowl this year. Christian McCaffrey, who was a second team all pro, didn't make the Pro Bowl because at his position in his conference, he had Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott. That's a tough crowd to go against, and that's part of the reason why Bruce didn't have you know, the crazy amount of Pro Bowls, but he had a really long career that he was a very good player for pretty much all up until the last season there. So, yeah, I, he belongs with these guys, and whether he belongs in the top five is another debate, but this guy was talking about how he shouldn't even be in the top ten, and I think he's pretty definitively in my top ten. I don't know about you. I think he is, um, but you know, according to the guy who <laughs> debated us, he'll say, "Well, your Rams bias is showing." No, I'm looking at the whole career, and for Bruce, especially in those two years, '95, '96, where he was the offense. People don't remember that he was the offense. The dude was getting double teamed, so caught 117 passes. He was one of the best in the league on a team that was really, really bad. That's the truth. And that matters, too. It really does. I just have an overall problem with the idea that... that he doesn't deserve it. And that's basically what the guy was saying last night. He was saying they deserve it, but he was kind of poo-pooing them according to what? We look at the 15 finalists, and we will in a second... And I think he's comparable to them. I really do. Comparable to them. I Do I think, for example, if I'm going to compare quality of player, you and I mentioned this, uh, Edgerin James. You can look at his career numbers. I can go down and look at defensively, Steve Atwater, maybe John Lynch. Those guys, to me, you, you want to tell me that Isaac Bruce wasn't a better player than them or wasn't at least equal to them? Or, or Tory Holt, for that matter? Man. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but Edron James is a three-time finalist, and Torrey Holt hasn't been. And I think, you know, Torrey Holt pretty clearly had a better career than Edron James, to me at least. Uh, Edron James, obviously a good player, but you know, I, I think Torrey Holt had the better peak. He actually has more accolades. Um, I, I'm not saying Ed shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, but for him to be a three-time finalist and for Torrey Holt to have not been a finalist yet i think it's uh it's it's kind of crazy to me all right well let's let's look at that we were i was going to go after 
go look at Isaac Bruce's career first, but you're already there, so let's, let's look at that. And in particular, the comparison now between Isaac Bruce, not Isaac Bruce, sorry, Torrey Holt, and Edron James. I have Edron James's numbers up right here. Rookie year 1999, runs for 1,503 yards, 13 touchdowns. Following year, 1,709, 13 touchdowns again. 4.2 and 4.4 yards carry was one of the best in the league. Following year, plays six games. The year after that, plays 14 games, 189 yards, 3.6 yards a carry, two touchdowns. Next year, 1259, then 1548, 1506. The last one, 1506 is 4.2 carry, and then he goes to Arizona and never has four yards a carry again in his career. He runs for 1,000 yards, but you're talking 3.4 yards a carry, uh, 3.8 yards a carry, 3.9 yards a carry. And then as a 31-year-old in Seattle, 2.7 yards a carry. Has double-digit touchdowns four times in his career, but never after 2005. So I, as out of the backfield, a solid receiver, especially in his first two years. His numbers go down as his career goes on as a receiver. I just look at that and go, okay, um, total yards, his first two years in the league were freaking good. But I look at Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt, between... 2000 and 2007. You ready for this? I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Every single year between 2000 and 2007, at least 80 receptions. In six out of those eight seasons, 90 or more receptions. Every single year, over 1,100 yards. In six out of those eight seasons, over 1,300 yards. Double-digit touchdowns three times as a receiver. Okay? Led the league in yards uh, per game in 2003. Get this. One, two, three. Seven-time pro bowler. In a very deep position, also all pro in 2003. I'm Can you there no receiver in history has that kind of dominance over an eight year stretch? T.O. came close. I looked through the numbers last night. T.O. came close. What about what about Rice? I mean, I we probably should just um, discount Rice for all these because his stats are just well, Rice will be untouchable forever. Let's pull him up real quick. Jerry Rice is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah, and he's also go. Like but we, I, we probably really throwing him out there. Well let's look at him real quick. Okay. I have his numbers come up right now in his career. So, 86, 86, uh, 86, 86 receptions, 1570 yards. A788, he gets under 70 receptions, but does go over 1,000 yards. Um, all the way to 96. So, between 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years in a row of over 1,000 yards. Um does dip below 70 receptions twice during that time frame, and his touchdowns are off the chain. So that's an achievement, especially in that era where the passing game was really coming on, but it wasn't anywhere near what it is in the 2000s. That's complete dominance. Are you guessing? He, so he's our – he's the um, – I think he's the epitome. He's, he's the best receiver of all time. Of all time, so. okay. Yeah. But so we look at his numbers. All right, so Rice – 
Rice did that. Okay? And even so, even so, there's one thing in there that Holt did that Rice did not do, and that was the eight receptions um, for at least eight straight years. Okay? Um, not even not even Jerry Rice did that. Jerry Rice did a lot of things Holt didn't do, though. Okay? I mean, we're talking about a guy with the Pro Bowl 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years in a row in stretch. Had 13 Pro Bowl appearances overall, including one as a 4-year-old with Oakland. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 10 All-Pro teams. There's no one better. There's no yeah, one better. So can you, can you give me the numbers on Jerry Rice's 40-year-old Pro Bowl with Oakland? Because it's something insane, right? Like he had like 1,000 yards at age 40, didn't he? Yeah, nine two catches for 1,211 yards, seven touchdowns. So at to, age to put 40. In context, to put in context and how insane that is, that would be like if Larry Fitzgerald put up those numbers five years from now. It's just unbelievable the numbers he put up. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at Torrey Holt's NFL records. Holds the record for consecutive seasons with at least 1,300 yards with six. You know, guys don't do that. It's That's an insane period of time. You know, eight straight yard, eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. He ranked first in the NFL during that time span from 2000 to 2008 in receptions and yards. Um, you know, he's top 10 career in receiving yards. When you, when you look at the guys ahead of him, or I'm sorry, that's not right. Wikipedia is outdated. Um, but, yeah, most of the guys ahead of him on the all-time list are Hall of Famers are going to be Hall of Famers. But the knock on Hall, and I don't know if it's a fair knock, is – you know, he has that eight-year stretch. He's dominant. You know, guys that are all-time gate receivers like Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and they had their year or two where they slacked off, whether it was them not trying or whether them defense is figuring them out for a period of time. Uh, you know, even the lesser guys, like I feel like Ocho Cinco fell off for a year or two. Um, the thing that will hurt, that hurts Hall, is hurting him, is that he has that stretch, and then it's just kind of over. Uh, he has two years, 700 yards, and that's it. You look at guys, you know, Randy Moss, he had a little late career bloom, especially with Tom Brady. Some of the guys that are going to come up on the Hall of Fame ballot sooner, Steve Smith and Larry Fitzgerald, they had huge peaks. Then they kind of tailed back for a little. And then they kind of reemerge. You know, even Steve Smith, who is a guy that's going to be an interesting Hall of Fame debate in a couple of years, that three-year stretch with Baltimore is going to, certainly help his case because yeah he was kind of a top receiver on that team you know his numbers aren't great uh Fitzgerald who obviously we could probably both agree is going to be first or second ballot depending on what they want to do I think he's first ballot yeah I I completely agree um you know he had a really solid couple years and then he had three rel or he had two out of three years were pretty quiet 2012 and 2014 and then he kind of re-emerged in the back end of his career that's the thing that Holt's missing I don't think that should keep him out of the Hall of Fame but at such I think that's kind of one of the reasons why Bruce was the one to get in before Hall even though I think uh in terms of accolades Hall is better but Bruce got in because he had the longevity and ultimately was able to rack up a lot of yardage over the course of his career you know he's fifth all-time receiving yards Five guys, the four guys above him, Jerry Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, T.O., and Randy Moss. Three Hall of Famers and one guy who we just both agreed is going to be first ballot. So he he's due. He's Bruce is going to get in the Hall of Fame, but 
the longevity thing is what's what's hurting Holt. You know, there's guys ahead of him that aren't in the Hall of Fame in all-time receiving yards and might not be. Uh, you know, you mentioned Henry Ellard, who's slightly above him, hasn't gotten in yet. Hopefully, he gets in at some point. But you know, even Reggie Wayne and Quan Bolden, those guys aren't are far from locks. And you know, that's that's the one thing that's kind of hurting Holt. Clearly, that eight-year stretch I think should be good enough to get him in the Hall. You know, Terrell Davis's four-year stretch was good enough to get in, into the Hall, albeit it took a long time. But I think that's hope for Tory to ultimately get in one day. But I think that's what's hurting him, and I don't I don't really think it's fair. But I, I kind of look at it with Holt, though. If it's supposed to be, you're going as an individual. You have to look at the individual situation. When Holt, in 2008, do we remember how bad that Rams team was? Oh, terrible. I mean, but he, at the same time, he, he leaves. He has a bad year in Jacksonville and then doesn't make the Patriots. So. Well, because he shredded his knee. Yeah, true. I mean, you know, he shredded his knee. The only time he gets hurt in his entire career. If he stays healthy, there's there's nothing that really gets in his way except for a bad offense. They can go back to the 2008 Rams, and who's your quarterback that year? 2008. I, 2008 Rams. I, it was a mix of what, like Chris Chandler, maybe a returning Trent Green that year. Oh, oh, you are on it. Mark Bolger that year. Um, who was beat up? He was beat the crap, man. Thirty. He was sacked thirty-eight times. Um, two and thirteen. Trent Green was on the team as well. Brock Berlin took a couple snaps. Oh, Brock Berlin. Brock Berlin did. That year, Mark Bolger had eleven touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Just one of the, one of the roughest years in his career. He was hurt. Um, offensively, your running back, even Stephen Jackson, that year only got a thousand forty-two yards. As for as good as he was, and how. Much he carried that team. He only had 1,042 yards. Receiving-wise, your leading receiver that year was still Torrey Holt, despite despite dealing with the knee, the knee, knee problems and also the rest, of his, the rest of his receiving core. Here you go. Donnie Avery. Remember him? Oh, that's my boy. I don't want any Donnie, Donnie Avery signer on this podcast. I know. I know. I'm happy Donnie Avery. I, I wish he would have he stayed healthy. Yeah, um, me too. But Donnie Avery, and then your third receiver was Steven Jackson with 40 catches. Nobody else on that team had more than 23. Dane Looker had 23. <laughs> Keenan Burman was on that team. Yeah, I mean, that's a really bad football team. So you have to take that into context. And the context is you went from being one on a very good team that's talented to a team that was garbage. Your quarterback was beat the crap. Rams grew up 45 sacks that year. Even Dane Looker took a sack that year. No, and you're you're right, but you know, just to play devil's advocate, the context of him having the bad season and getting injured, yeah, of course that matters. But, you know, it's obviously a different sport, but like when you when Derrick Rose is going to come up for the Hall of Fame, even though he won an MVP, you're not going to be like, oh, well, it would have been different if he didn't get injured. Like, yeah, it would have. But the debate is, you know, for Torrey Hall, it should have went differently, but it didn't. And we have to decide, or I guess the committee has to decide, you know, it, this is all we have to work with. You know, you, I think the bad team obviously factors into him falling off, and then the injury obviously kind of ends his career at an older age. But that all happened. We can't change it. That's... 
those that lack of you know kind of a second run is I think what's hurting him. And like I said, it, his original run should be good enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. And I think it'll take a long time, but I think it will eventually, hopefully. But that I think that's what's hurting him. Yeah, but even with the Derrick Rose example, we're crossing sports here, folks. He's, he's talking about the the former Bull star now plays for Minnesota. He tore his ACL after his fourth season. So he really hadn't accomplished all that much yet. Torrey Holt had already accomplished eight straight years of over, of over what, 1,100 yards. In six of those eight years, 300 yards. Never going yeah. below 80 receptions during that time frame. He'd already accomplished that. And that's what I'm saying is to – if that's the reason you're holding him back from being a finalist – or going further than that, then that's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous. You mean to tell me some of these other guys didn't have injuries over the years? No, I'm with you, but you know, look how long and uh, Torrey Hall kind of doubled his longevity. But you know, look how long it took Terrell Davis to get in the Hall of Fame. Um, mm. I think people probably look at them kind of similarly, even though that's not really fair because you know. Torrey Holt had more 1,000-yard seasons than Terrell Davis had seasons. But I think it's kind of similar in that, you know, Davis's peak was insane. He won a Super Bowl MVP. He won an NFL MVP. Um, I think you can kind of – because Holt's career went longer, I think they're kind of similar Hall of Fame candidates in that regard. I, is that a fair comparison? Uh, I think it's like fair. Davis's was, yeah, his was shorter, but, you know, his peak was – you know, I think it's fair. Where, you know, the thing with with Davis though was, and I have to be fair here. I mean, I don't want to be accused of being biased, right? I think Davis is. Davis was even more dominant at his peak. Oh uh, yeah, if I'm honest, Davis, in especially those two core years, nobody was stopping him. Nobody was, um, and no one really stopped. No one really stopped Tory either. But he never put up. All the numbers that say T.O. put up. He put up great numbers in great longevity in terms of consistency, eight straight years. But he never put on, you know, the perfect numbers. He never even did what, well, you know, he never even got as far as Isaac did. Barely. Okay, Isaac in 1995, which... I got to explain this here. In 1995, it's an improving passing league, but it's not what it is in 2010, right? 119 catches, 781 yards, okay? Well, 03 is comparable. 03 is comparable, but he doesn't beat it. Less yards and a less touchdown. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that is anything detrimental to him. I'm saying that if there's anything you want to knock on him, he really never. He did it basically twice, 2000 with 1635 and 2003 with 1696. Those are great numbers. But we look at, say, uh, T.O.'s career. I mean, he I have to be honest and say he put up better numbers. That's why he's in first. doesn't mean that Torrey shouldn't be in. And he darn well, if I look at the list, this list of 15, he's comparable. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what, is going to keep Steven Jackson ultimately completely out of the Hall of Fame is that, you know, he had a really 
not he had an eight year stretch where he ran for a thousand yards every season. But you know, the problem was he had one season where you could really argue he was the best in the league, and that's more on the teams because obviously that's another debate for another podcast. But Tory he he had the iconic moments early in his year in his career, but you know at his peak. He didn't have – he had very good seasons, but nothing, you know, mind-boggling like you know, Moss had with Tom Brady that one year. And, you know, when he was in his true prime after his rookie year when they won the Super Bowl, you know, he – a lot of the times he wasn't playing for much. They went to the playoffs a couple times uh, after Warner left, but they didn't really do anything. Uh, you know, his three multi-touchdown years, they were in the playoffs, but they didn't go anywhere. Um, and then the one year in 06, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. But, yeah, I, I – I think you're kind of nailing it here with, um, you know, he was a great player on great teams, but, you know, when you think about those great teams, we think about everybody, but uh, a more casual person is going to think back on Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, and the latter years, you don't really think about those teams at all because they weren't, you know, the iconic Rams teams were the early ones where Bruce or Holt was, you know, a a beast, a great player, but he might have not even been the best receiver on the team during the three-year stretch where they were really iconic. Well, if you want to back up a little bit, um, you mentioned Steven Jackson, and looking at Steven Jackson, Edger and James, um, they play close to the same era. Edger had five years on him. Um, Edger still had the, the highlight years, whereas only highlight year that Steven Jackson had was 2006. Where he led right. the league in total yards at twenty three After that, he had you know injuries. He's I mean teams were stacking a box against him, eight nine men in the box. So two thousand seven thousand yards injured. Uh, two thousand eight thousand forty two yards injured. Stays healthy for for two thousand nine. Has a great year, fourteen sixteen yards, uh, but only four touchdowns. Uh, it's it's inc- just just to butt in real quick and then I'll let you get back. It's incredible. That he ran for fourteen hundred yards in 09. absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, what was the like, team's record? Like, what like they won one game, right? I mean, well, yeah, Todd one Gurley game, one fifteen. Run for a thousand yards when the team was bad. Now, Steven Jackson ran for fourteen hundred when he was the only player on the offense, and he missed a game. Yeah, and he missed a game. That yeah, game. <laughs> right. So I, um, but he never put up the numbers that. Edgerham put up within a single season. Unfortunately, he was consistently good, just not consistently exceptional. And I think that's what hurt Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. But I look at Tory's numbers, the fact that what he did to me, even though they weren't top-level exceptional, like they weren't like mind-boggling every year, what he accomplished is exceptional. I mean, again, eight years in a row with... At least, at least, I'll even say at least 1,180 yards, okay? Eight years in a row with at least eight receptions. Six of those eight years, over 1,300 receiving yards, and six of those eight years, over 90 catches. That's freaking good. Yeah, man. Not even... I mean, but, he's got to get in at some point. It's The numbers are insane. You know, but it... it Really kind of, Steve, I honestly, it blew my mind. You, you, you've you known me now. You've gotten to know me over the years. And the one thing that ticks me off more than anything else is tell me your Rams bias is showing. Listen, yeah, I'm biased, man. 
I'm biased when it comes to Hall of Famers, but I can be objective enough to say when someone deserves to be there or not. I, I mean, I, I that's called intellectual honesty here. So to have some dude come on Twitter and be like, yo, uh, your Rams bias is showing. No, nah, man, I, I watched him play. I've watched all those guys play. All those I'm, these are these modern era guys. I don't. I'm not so sure you watch all. Did you see Steve? Did you see Steve Atwater play? No, I didn't really see Atwater play. And I, okay. I remember um, like Fanic on the Y, but when I was that age, I wasn't really watching Lyman intensely. I just remember them from Fanica was like a 99 in Madden every year, so that's how I got familiar with him. Uh, Atwater, no, I don't remember him. All right, so. I watched all those guys. Steve Atwater, safety, Denver Broncos, Jets. Tony Baselli, Jacksonville. Okay, Champ Bailey, Isaac Bruce, Alan Fanica, Tony, uh, Tom Flores, the coach, Don Coriel, the coach. I saw – I didn't see – I saw all those guys. Coriel, I was seven years old, but I, I saw him coach. Um, Steve Hutchinson, saw him play. Edge. Ty Law, yeah, I remember Ty Law. Gosh. John Lynch, Kevin Mawai, Ed Reed, Richard Seymour, all those guys. I saw them play. And I saw how dominant they were and how dominant they weren't. And I can look at this list and go, you know what? Torrey Holt was better than a couple of these guys. At least a couple of them. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, I think we could even transition into the the Bruce debate and who's actually in because a guy like Champ Bailey is a perfect example. You know, Holt probably had a better and longer well, peak, but that I, guy ended up making 12 Pro Bowls. You know what I mean? Well, before we go there, I do want to make one last point when looking at this list, okay? I just want to make it before I, I forget because I will forget it. Looking at that list, there's one name on there that really blows my mind, um, and that's Tony Baselli. Great, great, great left tackle. But he only played for 1995 to 2001. Why? Injury. Injury ended his career. Okay, so if we're going to talk about careers being shortened, and that's a factor, then why isn't it a factor for him? Because you know what? Tony Baselli was down in his position. Well, so was so was Tory Holt. Well, here here's the counter argument. You see, he retired in 2002. 2001. So look how look how long it's taken. I mean, he's probably he may he may never get into the hall. Um, I want to look up and see how many times he's been a finalist. This is his third time as a finalist. So that, that is 15 years after he retired, he finally got in as a finalist. And that's a fair argument, but I don't want to hear anybody say, "Well, injury is a factor," and then somebody else who played less than than Tory be in the list. It right, and I, I think it's more because he's just been on the ballot for so long. I mean, I, I mean, ultimately, it would kind of surprise me if Baselli got in before Torrey Hall, even though Hall's not on the ballot, just because you look at these guys on the list, you know, he's, you're probably not putting a Baselli over most, if not all, these guys. Um, and then new guys are going to continue to come in, so it's going to be an uphill climb for him. I just wanted to use that one example. And I get the other side of the argument that how dominant he was. Yeah, Tony Bissell was dominant. He was one of the best in the league. It's not even close. During that time frame, I think he may have been the best left tackle in the league. 
but he only played for six years, 95-2001. And we cannot argue that, that Torrey Holt was not one of the best in the league, especially during that eight-year stretch. I just – I wish he would have stayed healthy, honestly. I wish he could have stayed healthy and put a couple more years in that we're not even having this discussion. Right. Hey, I'm with you, man. And I, I want to see more receivers get into the hall because with the, how good receivers are now, they're going to have to start getting some of these older guys in quick because it's probably a few future Hall of Famers we're watching right now. Well, I mean, look at this list from the 2000s. Um, somebody from some somebody from uh, Bleacher reported this article years ago. Uh, Andre Johnson played that era. Musa Muhammad. Lavernius Coles was very good. Larry Fitzgerald played down there. Donald Driver. Steve Smith. Isaac Bruce, Derek Mason, Reggie Wayne, Ocho Cinco, Marvin Harrison, Heinz Ward. You can't forget about him. He he didn't make it as a uh, to a finalist this year. He's a semifinalist. Terrell Owens, um, of course, Torrey, Randy Moss. Those are all guys who played the, a good chunk of their careers during the 2000s. That's a deep, deep group of very good receivers. And some of them yeah. will not get in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson's going to be a, an interesting debate when he comes up for sure. Um, yeah, Heinz Ward, he, you know, he's been on the ballot probably close to as long as Hall, and they've both gotten to the semifinals but haven't gotten in. And I think Holt's pretty clearly ahead of Heinz Ward, but at the same time, Heinz Ward's got a Super Bowl MVP, which I, I don't think it should put him over the edge, but you never know how people vote. But um, I, I – don't really think it's worth hashing out Heinz Ward versus Torrey Holt because I think we both know where we're at on that. Oh uh, yeah, and so before we move on to Isaac Bruce, we do want to go ahead and ask you guys to hey, uh, if you listen to our show, please subscribe or like it or whatever you guys do over there to make sure that you are made aware of our of our new shows. Steve here does butting heads. I have Rams Talk Radio with Norm when Norm's alive. I wonder if Norm's alive by the way. I should probably call him. <laughs> um, Rampage Radio, they're on hiatus for a couple weeks. Um, but that's our network. So, hey, subscribe. If you like our shows, five-star reviews, deeply appreciated, okay? Helps us out. Helps you get to know who we are. And f- just listen. We're trying to reach more and more Rams fans and reach more and more people with our content um, to show, you know, how much we, you know, care about covering this team. Okay, we're not going to be one of the group of people who – who pull our punches here. We're going to be honest about the Rams. We've been that way all along. And um, if you want that kind of honesty, then, hey, share us with your other Rams fan buddies, please. Let people know that we're out there. We really appreciate it, okay? Also, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. He wrote this wonderful book, Hollow Teen Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's a story with a bit of personal touch because Jim Hawk's dad was John Hawk, who was an offensive lineman from 1953 to 1957. Check out the son's story of his father and the team played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at hollowsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic format, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Folks, trust me. This book is well worth a read. It's not long. It's it's engaging. It's not expensive. And it's a great piece of Rams history. Sooner or later, I'll convince Steve to read it. 
he'll, you know, when he puts down some of his NBA books. Okay, but just check this one out in the meantime, okay? Folks, trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Teen, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Hands down, it's worth your time. All right, so I'm, I'm waiting for you to respond to me giving you another pot shot there. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I really, I really got to read that book. Um, once I'm ready to read on the subway again, I'll probably grab it and pick it up. But right now I've been playing a lot of Super Smash Bros. on my commute. So shout out to Nintendo. Wow. Wow. So thus far today you've confessed to certain certain things. So you confessed to being in your parents' basement. You confessed to having a Ram-style bedroom that you deny you'll be married in, okay? Um, <laughs> you play Super Smash Brothers on the subway. You know what you sound like, Ben? What's you know that? What you sound like? A millennial. Yeah, man. I mean, you're dating yourself. <laughs> The switch is awesome, and it's it's very in right now. Um, people love that thing; it's it's amazing. I love I love my switch. Can hop on the train on my way to work and just game, man. It's great. I know it's been a thing, but the switch is the best handheld console ever. Well, I'm glad you appreciate it. What happens when you're on the subway and you're too busy playing playing the game, and someone comes, you know, and uh, tries to rob you? Um. They'd be getting annoyed because when I'm on the subway, I don't acknowledge the fact that other human beings exist um, like a true New Yorker. So, you know, there could be literally a armed robbery on the subway and I would just not notice it happening probably. So, I'm gonna, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detour away from this for a second. I got to ask you, Steve. I'm going to detour away from the debate for a second. I just want to ask you, you are from Connecticut. You went to Marquette University. You work in New York City. Um, how did you become a Rams fan again? <laughs> I I get very confused responses whenever I tell people that I'm a Rams fan. And they're like, oh, you from St. Louis? Nope. From L.A.? Nope. I also like the Philadelphia 76ers. And they're like, ah. uh, look, man, I don't really remember how I became a Rams fan, but they were good when I was six, so that probably helped. Uh, but I think I've earned my stripes to evolve from being a bandwagon fan. I never called you a bandwagon fan. You were with us when when you were joining our staff, and when this team was, good gosh, awful and very uninteresting oh. to write about. T- tough to write about. Tough to write about. Unless you're going to trash about an article when you have you know when you guys say you know, how bad this team really is, and you have to be honest about it. This, Seven, those are <laughs> four straight years of writing. Is this the year for Brian Quick? The answer was always no. <laughs> and you always he always gave you signs that it was the year, and then he always slapped you in the face at the end. Yep. Never yeah, fails. It's not gonna happen, Brian Quick. But let's let's talk about some good players, man. All right. So Isaac Bruce. Go. So should I be talking about just his career or his career in the context of what's on the ballot? Well, you know what? I mentioned the names. Let's let's look at who he's with, okay? As a finalist. Steve right. Atwater. So, yep. Let me name it. I'll, I'll give it the years they played. Steve Atwater, safety, Denver Broncos from 1989 to 1998, also 1999 with the Jets. Champ Bailey, cornerback, 1999-2003 with the Redskins, 2004-13 to with the Denver Broncos. That's longevity there. Tony Baselli, 1995-2001 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, you have Isaac Bruce, 
wide receiver, 1994-2007 with the Los Angeles-St. Louis Rams, and then 2008-2009 with the hated 49ers. Uh, Don Coryell, coach, 1973-77 the St. Louis Cardinals, and then 1978-86 with the Chargers. Alan Fanica, 1998-2007 with the Steelers, 2008-2009 with the Jets, 2010 with the Cardinals. Tom Flores, coach, 1979-1987 with the Oakland-Los Angeles Raiders, 1992-1994 with the Seahawks. Tony Gonzalez, tight end, 1997-2008, Kansas City Chiefs, Atlanta Falcons, um, 2009-2013. Steve Hutchison, 2001-2005 with the Seahawks, 2006-2011 with the Vikings, 2012 with the Titans. Edrin James, 1999-2005 with the Colts, 2006-2008 with the Cardinals, and 2009 with the Seahawks. Ty Law, 1995-2004 with the Patriots, 2005 and 2008 with the Jets, 2006-7 with the, with the Chiefs, and 2009 with the Broncos. John Lynch, 1993-2003 with the Bucks, 2004-2007 with the Broncos. Kevin and Y. 1994-97 with the Seahawks, 1998-2005 with the Jets, and the Titans, 2006-2009. Ed Reed, 2002-2012 with the Ravens, 2013 with the Texans, and also 2013 with the Jets. Richard Seymour, 2001-2008 with the Patriots, 2009-2012 with the Oakland Raiders. Oh yeah, one senior finalist was also announced, and that was Johnny Robinson, um, safety that's a conversation for the end of the podcast. I think we need to have that one because um, you know how I feel about Eddie Metter. All right. So we have our 15 modern era finalists. You said you were filling out a buy, uh, not a bias. What am I saying? Bias again? Ballot. A ballot. You're filling out a ballot. Let's break this down. Right. Who so, do you vote in? Well, I think we can both agree that there's really – Three spots on this ballot because Gonzalez and Reed are stone cold locks, right? Yeah, they're locks. I mean, yeah, then deservedly so. Uh, arguably, like I said earlier, the best tight end ever, the best safety ever. Uh, I mean, those guys are studs. I, Champ I don't Bailey, know. I don't know that Ed Reed was the best safety ever, but he's darn close. Yeah, he's he in might the conversation. Be. He's in the conversation. And if you're if you're in the conversation, you should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, which is. Um, which is why I got really mad about T.O. because you know, he's not really in the conversation because Jerry Rice is arguably the best player, period. But he's probably in the conversation for second. And, um, yeah, but I don't want to talk about T.O. So you got those two. Do you think Champ Bailey – do you think they put in three first ballot Hall of Famers? Because Champ Bailey, um, you know, kind of like Torrey Hall, he's probably never the best cornerback in the league. But, you know, three straight all-pro seasons in Denver – 12-time Pro Bowler, which is – he had the longevity. He played for a really long time uh, and was good pretty much the entire time. You know, he made the Pro Bowl in 2000, made it again in 2012, and a lot of times in between. I mean, you think that he goes in first ballot as well? You know, I'm going to respond with this question because I, I haven't really heard this talked about, but does it be talked about? When did fans – Start voting in the Pro Bowlers. That's a good question. I have no idea. Because I'm convinced that that matters. Well, they don't have the full 
the full bow, right? The stars, at least. I can't get the words out. Let's look it up. Let's look it up because for me, the Pro Bowl, when fans are voting for the Pro Bowl, that is automatically introducing popularity and bias outside of the integrity of an act of creating an actual All Star team. It's the same for for baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why you can have dudes hitting two hundred and getting the All Star game. They have no business being there. But they're there. Yeah, and that the NBA changed that recently. The starters used to be um, completely fan voting, and then one player who is not very good for those of you who follow basketball, Zaza Pachulia, came in fourth on the ballot, which meant he was one spot away from being an all-star. So they changed it and made it from 100% fan vote to 50% fan vote. So if you're good... The fans help you get in, but if you're not good and you just get voted in, um, which happened to Yao Ming a couple times, he shouldn't have been in the All-Star game and he got voted a starter. Um, yeah, you're not getting in completely because of that. Are you able to find the the voting method? Yeah, here you go. It's Oh, here. Yeah, coaches, players, and fans, right? Coaches, players, and fans. Um, prior to 1995, only the coaches and the players made Pro Bowl selections. Um Fans vote online. It's like each group's ballots count for one-third of the vote. So the coaches and the players, that's good. The fans having one-third. So if you have a hardcore fan base, and the Redskins Broncos have both during Champions era, compare that to, say, the Bruce fan base. No offense, St. Louis, I'm not trashing you, but it's a smaller market. And the it's just a different fan base. Let's just say it that. Let me just put it that way. Okay, who's going to get more votes from the fans? No, I think that's fair. But we're not talking about double here. We're talking about triple the Pro Bowls, which I think that kind of stood I, out to me. I'm just using that as an example. What I'm saying is, I worry that the amount of Pro Bowls a player goes to is given too much credibility because of the fan voting aspect of it. And I think that's and in recent years because of half the players dropping out too, I think will skew some numbers of the modern sure the sure. like current guys. I don't but I, I don't think that really affected these two. I just don't think you can give that much credibility to the amount of Pro Bowls and also then consider how deep was the cornerback can uh how deep was the quarterback position during that era? How deep was the wide receiver position, um, other positions as well. And also, you can't underrate the popular of the player. Champ Bailey was very popular as a player, period. People liked him. I'm not sure why, but people liked Champ Bailey. I liked him, and I'm not sure why, to be honest. I mean, so, and it's not, fair. again, that's not a knock on Champ Bailey, by the way. I'm just saying some players are more popular than others. They just are. We, so, I'm going to ask you directly, who would you take out of these two this year for the Hall? Two, meaning the corners or? Just if you had to pick between Bailey and Bruce for the Hall of Fame today, like, who would get your oh. vote if that was the last two? If it's the last two, 
Well, I'll let you dwell on it, and I'll talk about some of the other guys. Okay, because... I appreciate you letting me dwell on it. So, <laughs> the, these are the guys that I think will get, you know, some hardcore consideration. Um, you have Champ Bailey. John Lynch, who's been on the ballot for a long time. Um, but, like, nine-time Pro Bowler, but like you mentioned, not only a two-time All-Pro. He was another popular player. The, there was a lot of linemen on the ballot that are all pretty deserving. Uh, Alan Fanica, Kevin Mawai, and Steve Hutchinson, I think, would be the big three. And because those guys are going to split bullets between each other, that's going to hurt them and help Bruce. But individually, um, Alan Fanica is a six-time first-team All-Pro, nine-time nine-time All-Pro, uh, Super Bowl champion. Kevin Mawai, very similar resume. He was a eight-time Pro Bowler, uh, three-time first-team All-Pro, a couple second-team All-Pros. I mean, and these are all pro football reference. Why do I feel like Wikipedia was giving me different stats for these guys? Because Wikipedia uh, is Wikipedia. Wikipedia why, are you, gives, why are you using Wikipedia? I don't know. Wikipedia gives him seven-team All-Pros. But regardless, uh, Mawai and Banica and then Hutchinson were all – had ridiculous amounts of accolades – but at a less glorious position, um, and the three of them being there are going to hurt each other's chances. Um, some of the other guys in the ballot, you know, Seymour, I don't think he gets in this year. Edron James, we discussed him. Um, but Sally, I don't think so. Atwater, probably not going to be his year. Ty Law is also an interesting person in this debate. But um, I think, you know, I don't think two corners get in this year, and I think Champ Bailey's got better accolades than Ty Law, even though maybe Ty Law's best season, you might have thought he was a better player than Champ Bailey. So, well, I can. You go through Champ Bailey's numbers, and believe it or not, Champ Bailey was actually pretty inconsistent over his career. He had some great seasons, and he had some eh seasons. Okay, and when he was great, he was great. 2006. 10 interceptions, 2005, 8 interceptions, ran back three touchdowns during that time frame combined. Other seasons, not as much. Um, seasons, uh, here's an example for you. 2012, he's 34 years old, 8 pass defended. 2005, sorry, 2003, sorry, 9 pass defended. He goes to Pro Bowl with 9 pass defended all year. Maybe it's because people aren't throwing them. In 2002, yeah. though, in 2002, though, 24 pass defended. This is where you can't really rely on the stats. You need film. The film, to me, showed somebody who was very good when he was on, but when he wasn't on, he got beat. And so it's really hard for me to say that. I can say I've, I've always felt, long time felt, and this is not because he was a Patriot, but I always felt Ty Law was a little overrated. And you can see yeah. that just in the fact that he could after 2004, he couldn't stay with the team. And you know what? I think the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame committee agrees with you because this is his uh, fifth year on the ballot, and same with Bruce James and Mawai. And I think out of those four, Law, I think Law and James aren't going to make it. And honestly, I I think James might actually get in before Law does. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the guys that really these last three spots come down to are going to be Bailey, Bruce. Lynch, who's in his, his seventh year on the ballot, it might just be time for him. Um, he's been he's been a six time finalist, uh, and then the three linemen, Fanica, Mawai, and Hutchinson. 
And making my ballot, I think only one of the linemen gets in. I think it's probably Fanica this year, maybe Mawai. I think Bailey does get in just because of that longevity. And so to me, the final spot came down to Bruce and Lynch, which is which is tough, man, because I think Bruce had the better career. But Lynch, you know, he was great. He's been on the ballot for a while. So ultimately, I think I personally would vote Bruce as my fifth guy. But it's going to be tough. And you might see some ballots that go three linemen, which wouldn't be good for Bruce. But I think being really the one of two offensive skill players that are going to get real consideration, I think will benefit him. I'm the, uh, look at Atwater. Atwater was good. Um, very good player. It, was he a Hall of Fame player? Well, look at the rest of this list, I don't rank Atwater at the top of it. And I don't rank him in top five, honestly. Uh, Champ Bailey. Let me come back. <laughs> Tony Baselli? No, I can't vote him in. I can't I can't vote him in on, on six seasons. It's I really agree. hard for me to do. I just can't. Um, it's, too, it's too strong a class, to be honest with you. If it's a weak class, we can talk about it. Um, and, and the lineman, I think, the other lineman in the class compared to Baselli should be Hall of Famers before he is. Don Coriel, we're not talking about the coaches at all. Remember, Don Coriel was the guy who authored a lot of these modern defenses, including the greatest show on turf. So even though he coached his last game in 1986, his impact on the sport transcends it. So he's a curious one for me. Does he get my vote this year? No, because again, it's to declass. But Alan Fanica, you know, I watched a lot of Pittsburgh games in that area. And while he was very good, I've always thought he was a little overrated. Tom Flores, no, doesn't get my vote. Tony Gonzalez, he's in. We agree on that, right? He's in. Yeah, he's 100% lock. Steve Hutchinson was, to me, one of the best guards I've ever seen play. Okay. Edrin you James. you go Hutchinson over Fanica, huh? I would. From what it seems, sounds like. Okay. He was more consistent. I, I, they're very close, accolade-wise. He was, he, he was more consistent on the field. Um, Ty Law, you've heard my thoughts. John Lynch, to me, he was known for his big hits. He was, I mean, that's what he was known for. I don't know that, to me, that equals he was better at safety than, you know, Steve Atwater, who was also a big hitter, and definitely not Ed Reed. You know, so that's why he's probably on the ballot for a while. Kevin Mawai was very good as a center. Uh, when people don't understand how good he was, especially between 1998 and 2005 with the Jets, with the way the Jets ran the ball, Kevin Mawai was a big part of that. Um Ed Reed, we know him. And Richard Seymour, I always thought he was overrated, to be honest with you. Very good player, but I don't see him as a Hall of Famer, quite frankly. This is his first year as a finalist, so I I would be stunned if Seymour got in uh, um, with all the guys in this list. Yeah, I mean, he was very good. I just, I've just i never seen him as a Hall of Famer, though. I never saw – I saw Richard Seymour play a lot, and he didn't impact a game as much as you would think he did for a guy who carries that name recognition. Yeah. He he benefits from being one of the best players on defense on the best three team Super Bowl winning game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you said again your five were who? My five were Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, 
Alan Fanica, and Isaac Bruce. Would you like me to talk about the Golden Ram Barbershop while I prefer your five? Yes, please. <laughs> well, I, I know I know things about Derek's mind, and Sal knows things about Derek's hair. So we're going to give a quick shout-out to Sal at the Golden Ram Barbershop. Guys, if you want to support a member of the Ramley and one of our own and you're out there in the Orange County area, or if you're just visiting, you know, like that old-school classic barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Our friend Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis. He's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you. and give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. That's the Golden Ram Barbershop. Open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays he's closed. Sal's going to be watching the games just like us. So once again, guys, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. If it's just the Golden Ram Barbershop, it's worth it. Not only just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there, you're basically walking into a museum. But Sal also provides that classic old-school barbershop experience. He'll talk whatever you want with you. Rams football, whether Torrey Hall should be a Hall of Fame finalist, whether Isaac Bruce is more deserving of the Hall of Fame than Steve Hutchinson. You know, whatever you want, guys. So trust me. You won't regret it. This is a Golden Ram Barbershop. Give him a call. You won't regret it, guys. Derek, let's hear your ballot. All right, here we go. I'm going to go with Ed Reed, obviously. Uh, Tony Gonzalez. I'm going to roll with Champ Bailey. I, I, after all that. After all that, I still think his best years were dominant years. <sighs> Man, I did not like this guy at all. He was a dude. Oh my gosh. Because he was an NFC West guy and then goes to the Vikings. Steve Hutchinson is my fourth guy. He was, to me, the the dominant, just such a rogue grader, man. He's my fourth guy. And Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce. And I say Isaac Bruce, a lot of it to me is is longevity. The fact that his 95, 96 years are outside of the greatest show on turf, so you know he's just not a product of the system. Uh, that's kind of a big deal to me, too. Sometimes when a player comes out there and puts numbers up, you wonder about the system they were in. You know that he wasn't just a product of the system. And you know, also, just the other things that go with it, the, the fact that he was part of the greatest show on turf, too, the fact that he was good for a very, very long time. And honestly, if he doesn't go through the injury patches of 97, 98, and then a little bit later in his career, we're not even having this conversation right now. He's a first ballot, in my view, if he doesn't get hurt. But, but so that's the if game. So that's my five. I'll say it again. Champ Bailey, Ed Reed, Steve Hutchinson. Um, flipped my mind already. Champ Bailey. Yeah, I, I thought I said Champ Bailey. Oh, did he not say Gonzalez? Gonzalez, there we go. Thank you, thank you. And of course, Isaac Bruce. And I think another thing too is he's the only wide receiver in this class. It would be really weird with so many great wide receivers out there that one doesn't get in. I think, I think the, um, I think the Hall of Fame committee kind of tipped their cap a little bit, um, tipped their hand a little bit when there's only one wide receiver as a finalist here. Right. So, and I think. Uh... You know, John Lynch might get a little hurt because there's already safety going in. It's not a position they put in the Hall of Fame super often. They're probably not going to put in two. And 
Bruce will also benefit from the linemen because those are they're three very solid cases for all three of those guys, Fanica, Mawai, and Hutchinson. And ultimately, only one of those guys probably gets in. And I think you know Bruce will benefit from certain voters probably not wanting to put in um, more than one lineman at a time. Uh, but it's pretty crazy here. Three, three first ballot Hall of Famers might get in. And yeah, Isaac Bruce, a guy who's been waiting for a while, I think you know, he deserves it. I think he should have been in previously, but... You know, he had he had some very good receivers ahead of him that he unfortunately had to wait behind. Well, we, in a lot of ways too, what it's saying is this year he's the next guy in line. Now, a couple in the next couple of years, we have some more coming, so they might view it as time to get him in now, where it's going to be a long time before he gets in. Yep. So, um, also before we go, guys, we do want to look at the other finalists: Johnny Robinson, safety, nineteen sixty seventy one Dallas Texans, Kansas City Chiefs. He's known as basically changing the safety position. And that's why he's been uh, been uh, voted in. My only comment to this, Steve, and you've heard me say it, I know another defensive back who changed the position, a cornerback, and his name was Eddie Matter. Okay, yeah. he was the cornerback who was who was not just there to break up passes; he was there making tackles. That's how he got hurt. That's how his career got shortened, um, and his career was almost as dominant as Johnny Robinson. So, tell me why he's not being talked about right now. Eddie Metter should be in the Hall of Fame. Two contributor finalists, okay? Um, Pat Bowen, Denver Broncos owner, and Gil Brandt, the vice president of player personnel. He was also um, Gil Brandt, vice president, well, sorry, vice president of player personnel, 1960 to 1988 with the Cowboys, and a contributor to NFL.com from 19, 1995 to now. So... There you go. To be elected, a finalist must receive a minimum positive vote of 80% during the annual selection meeting. So, by the way, what that means, folks, is you can be top five and not get 80%. So it's not a guarantee of those 15 that five will go in. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, Times is a finalist now. Um, just some numbers. Don Coriel has been a finalist five times. Alan Fanica four times. Uh, John Lynch six times, Johnny Robinson seven times. It, it's that's crazy. Mawai um, uh, three times, Bruce three times, Law three times, Baselli three times, three times, and James three times. So a couple of these guys, I, I don't think will will go in right away. I got to think Johnny Robinson will go in. Worth noting, um, looking at the last couple of Hall of Fame classes, every year since 2013, with the exception of 17, they have put in a wide receiver. Chris Carter in 13, Andre Reed in 14, Tim Brown in 15, uh, 16 was Marvin Harrison, no receiver in 2017. They could easily just put Terrell Owens in, but I don't know what they're doing. And then 18, we had Randy Moss and Owens. So if they weren't out of their mind, we would have had a receiver every year since 2013 so i think that's good for bruce and that they're actually starting to get some of these guys i believe reed and brown were on the ballot for a decent amount of time same with chris carter uh so it seems like they're starting to expedite some of these receivers so uh, which is a good thing for us before we go one last comparison isaac bruce how many catches did he have his career he had 
I got it right here. 1,024. Okay. Marvin Harrison, 1182. How many yards? 15,424. Okay, so more yards than, than Harrison. Touchdowns, though, I think Harrison got yeah, 128. Uh, Bruce had 91. 91. Okay. Um, who was throwing to Marvin Harrison for his entire career? Yeah. You talk about system players. I mean, uh, Harrison, obviously very good, but definitely benefited from where he spent his whole career. Absolutely. With Peyton Manning. Absolutely. Having it, who you play with matters. And then, you know, you lose Kurt Warner basically only after a couple of years for the greatest show on turf. And then, you know, Mark Bolger did a fine job, but then that team started falling apart. So that matters. And I wonder, uh, to me, Marvin Harrison is probably your closest comparison overall to Isaac Bruce. And there's one difference, and it's the system. It's the system and the personnel. So You know, Marvin Harrison's Hall of Fame case kind of infuriates me because T.O. got knocked off two years because uh, people didn't like him in the media and blah, blah, blah. He was kind of a hothead. Uh, I don't want to get into Marvin Harrison's personal life, but uh, I'm pretty sure he was the first battle Hall of Famer, and he did way worse things than Terrell Owens did. Well, you got to look at his career, and Ter- Terrell Owens' behavior, though, here's the problem. And we do, folks, we really are going to close, but we kind of just went off on a tangent. I the get problem going here stuff, is Marvin Harrison's stuff is off the field. Terrell Owens, who's been pretty well, pretty close to a model citizen off the field. Let's be honest about that. But on the field, he was kind of a jerk. He was kind of a jerk to a lot of people. He mistreated a lot of people. And that rubs people the wrong way. I can see why. I don't have a problem. And this is where you and I will differ. I don't have a problem with the voters waiting on him because the guy was a jerk. He was a jerk a lot. doesn't mean he wasn't a great receiver, but he was a jerk a lot of time. He upset a lot of locker, a lot of locker room disrespect to a lot of people, and that matters. Marvin Harrison was quiet as can be on the field. He was, to me, a church mouse on the field. But if you want to argue against, if you want to find something else to argue with Marvin Harrison, look at his first three years in the league. 96, 97, 98. 96, 64 catches, 836. 97, 73 for 866. And then rookie year for Mr. Manning, Pitt Manning, 59 catches, 776. Good numbers, not great numbers. Manning takes off in 99, and guess who else takes off in 99? Peyton Manning. So here's my point. He needed somebody else. You know what Isaac Bruce proved early in his career? He didn't need anybody else. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, What really got me mad about the TL was him not getting in the second time. Uh, You want to knock him once, sure, I get it. Um, He obviously kind of helped blow up a couple teams, but... Knock him one year. I think two years was kind of insane to me. And that's why I didn't really blame him for not going. Well, yeah, he, he got disrespected. The, the craziest thing about Terrell Owens is as good as he was, he only had average hands. He dropped a lot yeah. of passes, man. As good as he was, he could have been better. That's the sad part about him in terms of his career. He could have been the best to play the game. The guy was an athletic freak. 
could run any route. His problem was the guy had C hands, grade C hands. And if that guy had A hands, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, even with controversy, and he's in the argument for the best ever. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, if you compare him to another sport, I'd compare him to Shaq, just like uh, Shaq obviously was a little better in his sport, but you do a couple things differently in your career, and you're in the conversation for the best ever. Uh, oh, yeah, imagine if Shaq managed to actually stay healthy. Like, And the reason why Shaq wasn't healthy for part of his career is because he couldn't stop eating. Yeah, didn't take care of his body. Uh, feuded with teammates too much. You know, he played with one of the 10 best players ever probably, and bro- they broke up after a ridiculous run where if they stayed together, who knows what would have happened. Oh, but I, I can tell you what would happen. They win at least six NBA titles. A lot of rings. Not a lot of rings. All right, folks. I promise we're done, okay? <laughs> Good discussion tonight. Um, hey, if you want to sponsor us, if you want to be on the show, advertise, partner with us, email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, if you have your own feedback on the Hall of Fame selection and you want to get back to us about it, again, email us. I'll have Steve I'll have Steve email you back, I promise, okay? <laughs> <laughs> really, email us, all right? We, we love to hear from you. Um, again, please share the podcast out. We we've I have never done that before, so I've never asked people to share it out. I think it's time to ask folks if you listen to us and enjoy us, you know, and you have other Rams fans, share us out, please. I'm not asking you to go out there and become advertisers for us or anything in that respect, but hey, share us out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Steve at Steve Ribeiro. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere. All right. That you can find a podcast, even iebeatrow.com, that online music site. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, Steve, here we go. Any final thoughts? Uh, is Ray Guy in the Hall of Fame yet? Because if not, get Ray Guy in the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm not even going to bother looking it up right now. <laughs> oh, he is. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's get Johnny Hecker in the Hall of Fame next. <laughs> The way he's going, he probably should be. All right, folks, we're way past the hour mark. We've kept you too long. So, for Steve, this is Derek C. Apollo. We're signing out. It's playoff week next week. Here we go. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.